0: Welcome to Open SAP Invites, your invitation to learn with us on the go.
1: Welcome to Open SAP Invites. I'm your host, Elizabeth Riemann, and in this episode, we're talking with Hotaka Bodis to learn how we can become better, more mindful and more confident communicators whether the thought of speaking to a large audience excites you or fills you with absolute dread this episode will ensure that with a bit of practice and by embodying the abc's of communication you'll radiate confidence and shine at work let me introduce you to rotika bodas Rutika is a development manager in the ISBN product development organization at SAP Labs India and has experience in leading SAP teams throughout various roles since 2010 as a developer senior developer and product owner. Aside from her technical positions at SAP, Rutika is also a certified personal transformation coach, mindfulness practitioner, and she's a passionate public speaker and trainer. Founded on her diverse corporate experience, she offers webinars, sessions, and talks on topics for personal growth and professional astuteness, both inside and outside of SAP. She also runs her own podcast show titled Mind Meals by Rutika. Aside from work, other topics she's passionate about include brain, behavioral science, sustainable living, and purpose driven life. Let's say hello. Hello, Rutika. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, and welcome to Open SAP InWrites. I'm so pleased we have the chance to talk with you here today. Oh, I am so, so glad to be here and I'm so glad to be speaking to you. Today, we're focusing on how to improve our communication skills and build our confidence too. Depending on the situation, of course, communication can come naturally to us or be very, very daunting. Let's start with a situation that can be challenging and it's something that we can't always get away from in our working lives, and that's public speaking. I guess we're all familiar with those butterflies and jitters before an important presentation or when we're addressing a large audience. And I think for some people, though, this experience can be absolutely terrifying. The term's glossophobia, and it's associated with a dry mouth, a weak voice, body shakes, and all reactions that make it virtually impossible for us to engage with our audience. And, Rotika, such a reaction is obviously extreme. But based on your experience, how can we get over a fear of public speaking and better handle our nerves? Public
0: speaking is something that's so close to my heart. One, because it is so prominent, right, in our day-to-day work and life, whether you're in the corporate or any other sector. And even if you're not a working professional, just on a day-to-day basis, the communication is such an important part of like such a prominent, vital part of our being, right? You rightly said, amazing fact to begin our conversation today with the term glossophobia. You would be amazed that it impacts a huge chunk of world population, up to about 75% of people go through it. And that shows the stature of how uncomfortable people feel to communicate to a larger forum, whether it's physically or whether it's even in the virtual setup. Glossophobia is like you said, quite an extreme condition, but definitely through the course of our next few minutes together, I'm sure that we would be able to bring out some handy tools and tips, which will definitely help people to create a shield and uh, definitely get over the fear of public speaking and rather make them confident communicators. Have you ever been nervous about speaking? Definitely, yes. (laughs) Time to time that does happen. And there are many occasions, even today, I offer a lot of sessions. I speak uh, two different sizes of audiences, but it does come across a couple of times where I feel nervous and it's just a part of being human
1: someone once told me when I was nervous about the prospect of holding a presentation that the, the emotion and the feeling, the physical sensation of being nervous is very similar to being excited and that kind of been told that stuck with me for a very long time as well and now I think oh nervousness, yeah those butterflies, it's kind of the same with excitement, let's call it excitement, yeah. all of a sudden it makes you kind of more grateful for the opportunity to speak at different events and things and really to cope better with that nervousness if you say it's excitement. so good to get we rely on many, different types of communication, textual, auditory and visual, of course, as well. Depending on the individual situations, which type of communication do you think is most effective and why? Can you maybe talk us through a couple of examples?
0: Situation to situation, there are many benefits to a certain kind of communication. But personally, for me, there is absolutely no replacement to a one-on-one conversation. You know, especially if you're in a situation where you need faster responses, just pick up a call instead of, you know, writing emails and to and fro communications over email. Email definitely serves a big purpose, especially if you want to have a lot of people informed about some decisions being taken in your team. So that's textual, there's auditory conversation. There's an interesting part that you brought about in your question about the visual conversation. So by visual, there are two parts to that. We could call the conversation with a video camera on also visual because there's so much visual input coming in in terms of body language and how one moves and how one sits and how one talks. The other form of visual communication that I like to bring out is just a simple notepad or a Word document or PPT or what you may have, share your screen. And if you're talking about five different points, right, instead of just making them auditory and talking about those five things also write down the keywords on the screen and see it each other so i'm seeing the same thing that you are seeing and that's exactly what we are also talking about this way our amazing human brain processes it better and there is deep rooting that it establishes in the memory because now what we are listening is what we are also seeing. I think that's such a fantastic tip and something
1: that's so simple but really effective as well. You offer sessions at SAP on subjects like building thriving work relations, building leadership as a habit and also on public speaking which is the main topic of our conversation today. Do you have a favourite public speaker who inspires you, who's able to engage with you and what techniques do they use that really kind of really make you sit up and concentrate and want to listen
0: to them oh wow oh uh, yes uh, <laughs> the answer that i'm giving you today to this question could be different on another day and time maybe. But right now where I am in my life, I am very, very inclined towards my spiritual practices, etc. And there is this very popular spiritual leader back here in India. He's known as Sadhguru. And he has a huge fan following all over the globe, literally. What I love about his style of speaking is He is very witty, in a good way. He's very witty. He is, I guess, he's somewhere around 60 years of age, but he brings out the current topics in his conversations and he brings out pop culture references and he would talk about some of the trends on social media and not really like focus his conversation about it, but just very subtly in framing his sentences, he would bring out these things that are happening in the here and now and that instantly connects the audience with him, right? And his conversations span across different age groups and is just about how he talks and how he brings out different aspects that connects with almost a very diverse and very sparse set of people from all over the world from different cultures. It's just amazing to see that he has an example from almost everywhere, every phase of life for every age group. And also he's very easy to listen to in the sense that it's not very preachy, preachy, but he's more of a storyteller and he really brings out very relatable examples. So I really love his style of public speaking.
1: Sounds amazing. We'll be sure to include a link to his profile as well in the show notes so that we can all have a listen in as well. Definitely, definitely. It's when someone has the ability to really engage with the audience that it's not just some generically prepared presentation or speech. And I think that's so key. And that's what really draws me into a presentation as well. You
0: want to be fluid and you want to connect with your audience, right? So you really just want to do that with every way possible. And for that, I think having punchy references, something that that particular audience group connects with, I think those kind of examples just sets the tone right. And then people are more willing and open to listen in.
1: Absolutely. it's all about that authenticity, isn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said before that communication works on so many different audio and visual levels. So what are your do's and don'ts when it comes to public speaking itself, when we need to do a presentation?
0: In the do's, the very first thing that's very important is to have high energy levels and introduce yourself in the initial few moments, right? You have up to one to two moments where you can literally... Peak the curiosity of the audience and really create that interest and that space where audience wants to listen in more and more. So when you arrive, when you begin your presentation, don't just say hi everyone. Say hey everyone, how are you all doing today? And I'm I'm so glad that I could connect with you here, or I'm so glad that I'm uh, here to present on this topic with such an amazing audience. Or you might also want to just you know have something punchy. But all I'm saying is that. The very first thing to definitely do is to have high energy levels, at least when you arrive into your presentation. So once you open your mic, really give them that energy back. Let them really connect with it and let them really get excited and at least get their curiosity high. The second do is prepare. It's just not about preparing for the content and the context and the audiences, etc. Preparation means also preparing how you're going to look on that day, where you're going to be seated, how is your kind of lighting, doing other sorts of tech checks, ensuring that uh, your content is on point, ensuring that you have timed yourself, you have rehearsed. So there are so many things when we just use the one word preparation. And the third do is about smile. Like, be yourself, be humane. If you stumble, if you fumble, it is all all right. This is all a part of us being human beings. If I did not stumble and if I did not stutter and if I did not do these ahs and ums, I would uh, instead be a bot talking to you right now, but that wouldn't be as fun.
1: (laughs) That's absolutely true. And I think, you know, we want that natural conversation and ums and ahs and yeah, the odd kind of getting tied up in your words and everything, it's completely normal, right? We all do it.
0: And it makes us human. It makes us human. So be human and bring out that colour called you. I always believe in the fact that every one of us has a distinct colour and bring out the colour that is yours. Bring out the colour called you. So smile, be authentic, be human. It's okay to stumble, fumble, stutter, but be human and just bring out the colour called you.
1: What's your colour and how can we find out what our own individual colours would be too?
0: So every individual has their own core values embedded inside us. And my core values are different from yours and they're different from your siblings and your family members and perhaps even the people that you grew up with in the same household. So it's a great, great self-exploration to first find out what your core values are. Typically, when you get answers to what your core values are, you would start to associate them with certain feelings. For example, my core values are warmth, humility, and compassion. And the more I think about just these three words in my head, the one color that I associate with warmth is yellow, sunshine. Compassion is, again, on the lines of orangish, yellowish, warmth-related sensations. So typically all of these words and these feelings, there is automatically some colors that would start coming in your mind and you're a combination of your colors and you are what your core values are. And once you go into the exploration of core values is when you will be able to find your color. So when I say color, it is not really the name, name of a color, like a pink or a blue or a white. But typically, once you go into and find out what your core values are, and then when you associate them with some feelings, you would find out what those colors really mean. The combination of the things that you can bring in, your belief system, your core values, your strengths, where you come from, The things that made you, the mud that you are made of, is what defines your colour. Amazing.
1: And are there certain situations where you say you want to emphasise a certain aspect or value that's particularly important to you for a presentation? So say, maybe compassion might be particularly important, then would you focus on that And the color you associate with that when you go in to prepare a conversation or a presentation or can that also be a helpful exercise to focus maybe on on one value at a time sometimes?
0: Definitely. So even if my core value is warm, if I'm going into a difficult conversation, the amazing thing about core values is that that is something that you will carry with you inherently. When I am having difficult conversations, I never leave the side of my core value called warmth. So during your preparations of these kind of presentations, automatically how you create the content and how you deliver it will be underlined with those core values. That's something that you just will cease to exist without. So that is, I think that it just plays a prominent role in how you prepare and how you deliver and how you communicate on a day-to-day basis. This is the whole definition of being authentic. If you bring out what you are, the colour call you, you're authentic. Wonderful.
1: What are some of the things that we should avoid when talking about public speaking?
0: The more we are an interconnected world, I think the more we have opportunities to work with people from diverse cultures. So try avoiding the words that you are not so sure of how do they really reflect back in other cultures. That's something that you have to be very, very cautious about, especially because now we all work often in global teams. So a simple word that you often use in your teams maybe might not be received very well in another part of the world. So just be cautious about that, be respectful about it. A very simple example, something that happened recently where we were in a conversation. It was a global meeting from different geographies of the world. And I typically have never heard of word like female being used for women or for ladies in the team. And there was this one gentleman and he kept using the word. The females are, uh, I think, going to whatever, whatever, whatever. And the word female sounds very raw. I'm sure that maybe it was also lost in translation, right? Because English is not a primary language for so many of us. So I would just say that try to use simpler words, try to use words which are more generic and try to avoid cross-cultural references because you don't know how how are they taken on the other side. The other do not do is to, uh, I mean... Just definitely dress up very well, depending on situation to situation. And when I say very well, you don't have to go overboard, but definitely dress up if you're going to be online for a video call. You don't want to be in your jammies. <laughs> your pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> your pajamas. Uh, which you may not be able to see on the video, but what I meant is you want to be, you want to look proper, uh, especially if it's a client call or if it's a business meeting, etc. So just the normal things.
1: It's all about confidence then, isn't it? Maybe dressing for confidence. I think you need to make an effort, I think, whenever you talk to anybody at all. It's about bringing respect for yourself and for the person in front of you as well, other people.
0: Yeah. And you feel the difference. Like when you are dressed up in your formal attire, which I know that many people in the work from home setup started doing, even if they're just going to sit and work from home, they literally started dressing up like how they would dress up to go to office, like wear a watch and everything, which you don't necessarily need at home. But just being in that, like literally stepping into that whole setup gives you a different feel. It makes you feel like you're onto something, right? Instead of just lacing around in your home clothes. So it does make a difference. Dressing up properly does make a difference.
1: Should we have a checklist for things that we should actually have covered before our presentations? How can we be best prepared? We've got the environment set up, our clothes. Is there anything else?
0: Oh, there's plenty more. I often go into details about finding who my audience is, like that's where it begins. So where my preparation is going to begin is the first step is to know my audience. Who is going to be in the audience? What is the size of the audience? What is the background of the audience? That's where it all begins. Because once I have set the foundation and I I kind of start to imagine people in my head, right, when I know who my audience is going to be, is it going to be am I talking to university graduates today in this session? Or am I going to be talking to people from the business or from the technical side? So, Knowing your audience, that's the very, very first step. It sets yourself, your mindset, like it gives you the mindset to prepare your content based on that. So that's the first one, knowing your audience. The second one I say is context setting consciously try to first set up the context. Context setting is very, very important. Now, imagine if I were to communicate with you and I don't even know you at all, and I just reached out to you and I started bombarding you with questions, and you have absolutely no reference point of where I'm coming from or who exactly directed me to you to talk about this particular thing, you would be really lost because now you don't know how to respond. You don't know how much to respond and you don't know how much can you... Uh, divulge when you're also going to present something by context setting it is uh, typically seen in the agenda slide that agenda slide is nothing but context setting but you could do it more informally and by saying that hey we are going to be talking about this 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 and this and this is how the flow of our conversation today or presentation today is going to be Tech checks, we talked about tech checks. There is, oh, we just cannot leave that anymore out, right? Because, oh, this is where we are now. We are all working on our laptops and our internet and everything. So tech checks, looking the part, feeling the part, uh, being vulnerable, being authentic, bringing out the color called you and bringing out that beautiful smile. So these things we covered. There is something interesting that we haven't covered so far, uh, which I love, which I call as Zen zone. So when you have some important presentation or a meeting or a place where you have a lot of communication to do, literally this thing called Zen Zone works out amazingly well. So I like to create a Zen Zone around me just before the meeting or just before that presentation. Now, Zen Zone is different for different people. Typically, when I imagine my Zen Zone, it's kind of a bubble. It's like a huge, big, transparent bubble that I'm seated inside. And I close my eyes and what I find myself at is a beautiful place where I'm sitting facing a nice, calm water body. It's surrounded with beautiful hills and I'm sitting on a green grass, lush green grass, and there's birds chirping in the background and there's bugs buzzing in my ears, let's say. But this is what I imagine as my Zen zone, right? So it's a great exercise. The one way to find your Zen zone is to visualize a time and place where you were really uh, relaxed and very calm and happy. And whatever that... Uh, visualization takes you to, that is your Zen zone, the place of your Zen zone. For some people, it could be a street where they grew up. For some people, it could be um, where they live today. For some people, it could be their office desk. And for some people, it could be a scene from the latest vacation that they were at. For me, it is this beautiful water body where I'm sitting and I'm amidst, amidst nature outdoors. Now, once I have that visualization in my head, With my mind's eye, I'm always imagining that. And that bubble that I was earlier talking about is kind of that Zen zone, which I'm encapsulated in. And once I step into that Zen zone, the rest of the world fades away, literally, visually, auditorily, and every other way. And then I'm completely ready for my presentation. So just creating that kind of a nice bubble or a shield or a Zen zone, like I said, around you is an amazing, amazing thing to be in the moment and present fully and completely.
1: Amazingly powerful doing such a visualization exercise, I think as well, and bringing all the senses in there then as well too.
0: Yeah. And one more thing that really helps for me is to physically like shift myself, right? So I would literally, before my presentations, I would go take a walk around in my house. And when I come into this room where I work from, I just step in into it physically, consciously taking every step as if I'm stepping into that Zen zone that I just described. So really feel it physically that you are stepping into that Zen zone and automatically the world would fade away and you're right here, powerful, present, looking proper, feeling proper and absolutely ready for your presentation.
1: Amazing, I'm going to try that. That sounds so powerful. Rutika, <laughs> you're a mindfulness practitioner. Um, how can other mindfulness techniques help us become more effective and more confident communicators? Having your own Zen zone is maybe one aspect, but what else would you recommend that we do?
0: Um, so a minute to explain mindfulness for some of us who have not practiced it or experienced it yet. So mindfulness is... Being in the right now, this moment, fully and completely. When I say fully and completely, being in this moment physically, emotionally, psychologically, physiologically, in every single way. When you practice mindfulness, you are more aware of the surroundings. When I say surroundings, a simple example would be, I am aware of where I'm seated, how does my chair feel like, wherever my feet are landing on the ground, the coolness of the tiles under my feet. I am receiving and I'm aware of the smells in the surroundings. I'm, I'm aware of the sounds that are around me. This is mindfulness. It's nothing like rocket science. This is how people used to live once upon a time. They used to be in the moment fully and completely. Right now, we are living in parts in different, different, in on one given moment. And I'm sure that so many of our listeners might also be listening to the episode and doing something in parallel. So maybe this could be a good start. But that is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is being in the here and now fully and completely. And if... That is what mindfulness is. Then, some of the other amazing practices could be we call it active listening. In mindfulness, it's called active listening. So, listening actively. So what what are the things that are said, but also the things that are unsaid? So there is a lot of information in the things that are unsaid, the pauses, the silences. If you are an active listener, you will pick up on it. You will pick up on the things that are said verbally, but also the things that are not said. So one of the other mindfulness practices to really be a powerful communicator is active listening. The other one is total presence, like really be totally present with this person when you're when you're talking to your spouse or your partner, really just talk to them and look at them into their eyes as if they are the they are the one person in this entire world that you that matter to you right now here in this moment. And when you're talking to your colleague and listening to them discuss about something and ask you about something, then really just be fully present with that person in that moment. So complete presence and active listening are two of something that as an, and I would invite all our listeners to, to just as an experiment, try it out, try it out in one call, the next call that you might have upcoming and just see if it really is something that you are seeing the benefits out of. And it's there's something that is changing and resonates with you. Fantastic advice. It really is even more meaningful now, because there's my phone buzzing, and there's my kid crying, and there's my microwave beeping, and there's a pop-up, and there's a ping. (laughs) So there's just too much happening. Yeah.
1: There's so many things fighting for our attention all the time, I think. Would you like to help us with an exercise?
0: Definitely, yes. We are often switching from one meeting to the other, to the other, to the other. So a minute to arrive is where at the beginning of any meeting, we often have a one minute to arrive. Once everyone is in, we take a minute and we pause for a minute and we call it a minute to arrive. And similar to a minute to arrive, Some companies and some teams inside SAP recently, I heard have also begun to practice a minute to leave. So there's a minute to arrive and a minute to leave. Now, if you can imagine, it is so powerful, especially a minute to leave, Is powerful because everything that you discussed in the course of that meeting, if you just all sit together one extra minute where you're going to focus on nothing but just take a pause and breathe, then everything that you have talked in the course of that conversation and that meeting is going to just settle down into your memory because your brain is just taking... Deep breath and it's just pausing. So, a minute to leave is another amazing, powerful practice that, em- that is emerging these days in teams. But I would right now would love to do a minute to arrive for our listeners to really experience it. Can we do that, Lizzie? Yes, please do. <laughs> so, this is what a minute to arrive sounds and looks like. Uh, so, I'm going to just switch on the timer in my phone so I know that I'm point on minute. All right so this is how we two minute to arrive just uh, sit up straight and comfortably take a deep breath and breathe out as you breathe out literally imagine all the weight on your shoulders shed away take a deep breath another one And if you like, just close your eyes. This is all we do. If you like, just focus the mind's eye on one certain point. As you deep breath in and out, just literally focus your attention to how the cool air is going in and how the hot and warm air is coming out. If your attention shifts, just bring it back to your breath. And with the last one, inhale deep and long. And just let it all out completely. And that's your minute to arrive. Do you feel better now?
1: I, I do. It's so
0: grounding.
1: It sounds cliche, but it's so grounding. And I think it's just reminded me that one of the aspects that's so important is just that we we take the time to breathe. So it, it's time to arrive, but it's time to breathe, right? And it's such a fundamental aspect of our lives, right? We often take it for granted. We often don't think about how we breathe. When I'm nervous, I completely neglect um, even thinking about how I breathe, right? And I probably have too many quick breaths that are far too shallow. And I think whenever you're in a stressful situation, you're going to do a test, an exam, hold a presentation, speak on the stage. I think it's so powerful to be reunited with your breath and to really think consciously and I guess mindfully about how we actually
0: inhale and how we exhale too. If you took a minute to arrive, you would literally close down on the meeting that went by and you would be ready fully and completely to be actively listening and being mindfully present in the meeting that's going to begin versus carrying the baggage from the previous meeting and rushing into the next one where you are still thinking about what I discussed in my last one and listening to the one here. People do sense it. People will get it that you're not fully present with them. Uh, So a minute to arrive, like literally you must have felt how fast that minute went by, but it is amazing the change that it can bring into how the meeting shapes up where you just arrived. Before we
1: close with our summary, I'm sure our listeners will be interested to hear more about your own podcast series. It's called Mind Mills by Rutika. And in the description, what resonates with me is the fact you say, everything we do in life is fueled by the mills of our mind.
0: Please tell us more about your podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so, yes, my podcast is called Mind Mills by Rutika, because everything that we do in lives is churned out by the mills of our mind. Everything that we are today or we have today was a thought somewhere in our mind someday. So it all begins with a thought And that thought is churned by the mills of our minds. And hence my podcast is named Mind Mills. It is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and what have you. I just finished my first season of the podcast. It has 20 episodes in it. Every episode is primarily around five to six minutes long. And... Through the conversations in the podcast, I am talking about things that we talked about today, like mindfulness, things like building resilience, uh, things like what is the power of self-introspection. One of the episodes, the popular episodes is about uh, my vacation stories, which is about it's called Life in the Mountains. There is one which is very, very um, popular, which many people have given me good reviews about is simple ways to learn the art of working with people? I think it's fantastic. I think it's completely refreshing. I think the
1: length of them is perfect. It's ideal for kind of taking a quick break and listening to different topics, be a little bit inspired. Um, Yeah, so listeners, tune in and uh, let us know what you think as well. So, our call to action for today's Open SAP Invites episode, we like to share with a quick summary of three key takeaways for our listeners. What would you like us to remember about today's conversation?
0: I would just say the key takeaway could be ABC. For our listeners, just remember ABC. A stands for authenticity. Authenticity rocks, right? So, in communicating with confidence, all you need to be is authentic. So authenticity rocks. That's your A. B, be humane. It's all right to not know everything. It's all right to not be able to answer everything. It's all right to sip water Amidst your, In between your presentation, it's all right if your kid walks in and if your parents are walking in the background and things are happening, it's all right. So B is be humane and C is calm the chaos. Calm the chaos with mindfulness practice or creating a Zen zone or taking a deep breath or through active listening or through a moment to arrive, but just calm the chaos.
1: Amazing, I love that, ABC. Let's close on that. And Urtika, thank you so, so very much for speaking to us here today. Thank you to Lizzie. And thank you to your entire team who's making this happen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Open SAP Invites. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a review. And don't miss your next invite Subscribe now.